a quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, William Attaway. Thank you. You've got a lovely name to sing. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> so before getting into how to build an unbreakable, unshakable business, i.e. how can I, Jason Barnard, you, the audience, be a better business leader? We're going to look at your brand, sir. Now, I was slightly concerned because there is a very famous William Attaway yes. who was a writer. Yes. So I looked in the knowledge graph, and it was very surprising what came up. Hmm. Are you ready? I can't wait. And building up the tension. Here we go. <laughs> that's the Knowledge Graph Explorer on CaliCube. So we've got the novelist there. There he is. That's his KGM ID at the top. Now, if I scroll down, we've got another one. That seems to be you mm, with your KGM ID. You can see your Twitter and you can see your LinkedIn. Then we go down to the next one. This one is an artist. So it's mm -hmm. a different William Attaway. Yes. Next one. Oh, that looks like you again. It's exactly the same result as the previous one, but with movies. So it's confusing you with the movie director we'll see later. Then this one, that's you as well. That's three KGM IDs for you already. Then the next one, that's the movie guy, or it might be a book guy. I can't remember which. And then this is you again. <laughs> so that's four. <laughs> and then this one is somebody else who's got a SoundCloud account. And this one is somebody else again, but you're still ranking number one. But we're looking at four of you already. That's somebody who has unfortunately died. Then the next one is either that person or another person who has unfortunately died. Then this one, when it, when it wants to, there you go. Uh, looks like you again, five. This is really cool. I like this. I mean, I, I think I'm probably the only person who thinks this de is delightful. This is another one, and it looks like you and the artist mixed up. So we've had you and the movie director mixed up and you and the artist mixed up, and there we have the musical artist, movie director at the end. So there are five of you at least, and two of them are mixed up with other David, uh, William Attaways, excuse me, who are not the same as you. Now, what I found hugely interesting there is your name is relatively popular. Google is getting to grips with more and more entities, and it's accepting as fact in its knowledge graph the information, even though it's totally confused, and it's hmm. duplicated you and mixed you up with other people. And that's going to be a huge problem moving forwards, and we all owe it to ourselves to clean up our digital ecosystem so that Google understands our particular version of William Attaway. Hmm. What do you think of that? I think that's brilliant. I love I love seeing that and, and understanding where the problem is because now I want to move toward the solution. And the solution is exactly that. It's clean up your digital ecosystem so that it doesn't mix you up with the other ones and that your four or five, depending on how we look at it, different KGM IDs all merge into one. Because when mm -hmm. you've got four, let's say you've got four, your entity equity, i.e. the importance, authoritativeness, expertise, trustworthiness that Google places in you is divided in four. Mm. And when you merge them, it becomes one solid, super, super trustworthy entity called William Attaway. And it's sure that you are the William Attaway that we know and love who has catalytic leadership as the core of your world. Mm. Fascinating. Delightful, isn't it? So that I'm a business leader in a business that's mm -hmm. trying to do that. Mm -hmm. It's completely 
new industry because the knowledge graph hasn't been around very long. And I'm struggling to get people to learn about or understand exactly how important it is. And this kind of example, especially when you laugh and smile, it really helps me get across the message, message this is important. And it's actually a very simple solution. It's look hmm. at your digital footprint and clean it up. Hmm. Hmm. Brilliant. How, Wonderful. How do, how do you do that, Jay? <laughs> you use CaliCube Pro. And we have a SaaS platform and that does I was, exactly I was teeing that. you up there. I was teeing you up. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you identify the entity home on a website that you own. You clean up your digital ecosystem. You make sure it's all consistent. You point from your entity home to the consistent corroboration and back from there to the entity home. And in a few months, that would be cleared up. Hmm. Love it. So super simple. We do it for our clients. We also have a pl platform for it for agencies. Uh, I love it. I built it eight years ago, and I really, really, really love it. Um, and Elisa, who's on the CaliCube Pro team, understands the platform better than I do. And together, we're making it better and better and better and better. And it's mm. so cool. But that's yeah. just me. You are listening to Branded Search and Beyond with Jason Barnard. Now, back to the show. What I actually need to do now is learn to, uh, to sorry, to manage my business and make mm. it unbreakable, unshakable. Right now, it feels shaky. Mm. And I think it feels shaky because I'm struggling to make decisive decisions, if you can say that. Mm -hmm. Sure. So what are the common problems, starting with that one, and what's the solution? You know, I think I think one of the common problems is exactly what you just said. You know, it you you've grown, and it has now grown beyond the ability for you to be mm. making every decision about everything and know everything about everything. That can feel very disconcerting to a founder. Yes, it because does. at the beginning, um, it was just you. Yes, it was. Now, two years ago, it was just me. Two and a half years ago, it was just me, yeah. and I've been slowly delegating, and it's worked okay. And I've managed to let go a lot of things, but I feel very disconcerted. Mm -hmm. how, do, how can I deal with that other than doing meditation and yoga? <laughs> well, I'm not going to knock that. But I, no. I will say <laughs> that, that the, the challenge is so often, and the reason entrepreneurs, I believe, break their own businesses far mm -hmm. more than other people break them is, is because they, they don't have what I call clear-minded focus. You do not see the entire picture when you're in the frame. You can't. You need to understand that you can't read the label when you're in the bottle. Right. You need somebody from my the shirt. outside. Right, exactly. You'd have to I've spin tried your to head do that around. before, and it's really bad for my neck. It's not helpful. It's going to hurt just a little bit. There's problems later from that. One of the challenges <laughs> that we have is that we just simply can't see it all because we're in it. You're in the weeds. This is why it's helpful to have somebody from the outside who's going to help you see what you cannot see. Hmm. Clarity, focus is something that is so important in branding and marketing, right? You have to have a clear message. You have to have a clear message that you are, that you are making available in all the different venues that you do. This is why I love the brand cert because you are clarifying the message. You're making sure that what is going out, what is available, what is seen is clear. The problem is, even among people whose specialty is marketing, if you look inside their own house, so to speak, in their own business, they do not have that clarity. They don't have that clarity around what it is that they need to spend the majority of their time doing. What is the so absolute? That, that, 
They say the majority of your time. So how do you identify where you should be spending the majority of your time in terms of a company, but also in terms of the business leader? So I need to take a step back and say the company needs to focus on this. Mm -hmm. What do I focus on while the company is focusing on that? This is where you use questions like, what is my absolute best contribution to that? Where I want the company to go. What is my best contribution to that? Maybe it's sales. If you're really good at sales, maybe that's it. Maybe you need to be doing that. If that's not it, but you find yourself spending a lot of time doing that, that's a disconnect. You have dissonance there. Mm. And guess what? You're not the only one that's going to feel it. Everybody else in the room is going to feel it. Right. Everybody around your table, your team is going to feel it. Your potential clients and customers are going to feel it. So so can I just swallow the pill, as it were, and, and deal with sales for four or five months with the expectation of getting off? Is that one solution? Or do I really need to just replace myself? You can do that. Absolutely. Because you're the leader. You're the founder. You can yeah. do that. Is that your best play? Should I do it? Is the question. Very <laughs> good point. That's a better question, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a there, there's a question that I ask myself regularly, Jason, and it's one that I highly recommend to the clients that I work with. As you're looking at your day, as you plan through your day, ask yourself: Is this the absolute best use of my time right now? Is this the absolute best use of my time, my passions, my skills right now? And if the answer to that question is no, more often than it is yes. That's a problem. Oh, I've got another question then. Yeah. You said passions and skills. Mm-hmm. How do I balance the two? Because it's incredibly easy for me to say, well, I have a passion for this, so I'll do lots of that. <laughs> Even if I have a skill for the other one, I find it quite boring. So I'll focus on the passion because I enjoy it. This is where you get the help of those around you. Uh-huh. No, no leader is a lone wolf, even those who think they are. You stand on the shoulders of people who have invested in and poured into you, but you also have a team of people who you have hired around you and they see with far greater clarity what your best contributions are. Should we have a vote? (laughs) Should we have a big meeting and everyone puts their hand up and have a vote about what Jason should do every day? What should Jason do today? Is this the best (laughs) use of Jason's time? I guarantee you, if you open that conversation, you will get some answers. Ooh, I'll open it on Friday during the team meeting. That would be really interesting, actually. I think you would you would discover there are things you don't know. Oh, I'm going to write that down. That's the question is, what's the best use of my time day in, day out? Absolutely. The, the oh, challenge with entrepreneurs is, is that they can very easily get sucked into this rhythm of simply reacting. You're reacting to clients. You're reacting to your team's request. Hey, I need, I need just, just a second. Can I have just a minute? And you're constantly in reaction mode all day long. That is not the best use of your time. Mm-hmm. And what this does is it causes you to live in a state of chaos. Unless you Ooh, have clear minded focus, you're going to live there and you're going to stay there. And I don't know anybody who wants to stay there. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned the word chaos. And there's so many things coming in, so many different things. I'm trying to keep it all going. Right. And I shouldn't be keeping anything going. Right. Is that the How best use of your time? <laughs> How do I, I can't just drop the balls, no. as it were, if I'm juggling. No, you can't. And this is where you move from that place of clear-minded focus where you're determining what is the best focus for the organization, for the company, what is my best contribution to that, 
understanding what everybody else's best contributions are to that. Now you understand the lay of the field. You're going to move from there to the second step, which is what I call a place of calm control. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite of chaos. I love how David Allen describes this as having a mind like water. Imagine a lake that is calm and serene. It's beautiful, peaceful. Now, if I take a rock and I throw it into that lake, what happens? You get ripples. But the ripples, the response of the water is exactly in proportion to the size of the rock and the velocity of my throw. It does not overreact. It does not underreact. That is the goal for your mindset. When we're in chaos, we are over or underreacting to everything. Oh, this is the end of the world. Oh, oh I gotta, I gotta fix this. I gotta do this. And a prime example of that is, is near where I live. I live outside of Washington D.C. Right? Washington D.C. is the the place where you go if you want to see people over or underreacting to everything. Everything mm-hmm. is an emergency, or everything is. Oh, it's no big deal. Yeah. Okay. There's no calm control. As a business owner, that's your goal. You want to lead from that place because that's where you make your best decisions. Yeah, no, sorry. We had a meeting last last week on Friday, and I was saying everybody needs time to think, everybody yes. on the team. Yes. I found that I've ha- I have had time to think, and I've thought too much, and now I've created chaos again by asking too many things of too many different people and not being decisive, which is a problem. Um, and I was thinking about the stone analogy earlier on. If I skim a stone like you used to when you were a kid, mm-hmm. is that part of the analogy, or am I pushing this too far? You I can think skim a stone across the... <laughs> I mean, you can, you can do that, but then you're creating multiple ripples. You're creating multiple reactions. Right. Okay. And so I guess you could take that and you could say, Hey, if we're doing this with multiple people on the team, I want to hit you and you and you and you and you and you and you, as long as everybody is reacting appropriately, you can do that. Right. Okay. So we've managed to make sense of my terrible extension of your analogy, but that is an interesting point is it's not just me who needs to not over or underreact. It's everybody on the team. So that's skipping stone is multiple people saying you have to react to that stone. This sounds horrible as it hits you. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to follow your lead, Jason. And this is one thing that I find founders and entrepreneurs sometimes push back on. Your team is going to follow where you lead. Often, somebody who started something, started a business, started a company, they started it because they're really good at providing a product or a service. Mm -hmm. That's why they started. Whether it's a SaaS product or whatever it is, they're really good at that thing. Then they begin to have to hire other people to help them with fulfillment. And then all of a sudden, all those people are looking at them around the table, looking at the founder as the leader, as the boss. Now, founders are going to react to that in in one of two ways, in my experience. Mm -hmm. They're either going to say, I don't want to be the boss. I don't want to be the lead. I, I left all that. I left that world. I don't want to be a boss. We'll just have a flat organization as flat as possible where there's no boss. That's a disaster. That's, that's a, a very bad idea. And I have so many case studies I can give you on why that's a bad idea. To abdicate leadership is always a disaster. The okay, other so that's option, a no. I'm that's a no. Don't do can that. You, can you repeat that? Yeah, to abdicate right. leadership is, is a always a bad idea. It's always a disaster. Okay. The other alternative is when a founder, an agency owner, entrepreneur decides, oh, I'll just figure it out as I go. I'll just build the plane while I'm flying it. I'll bet that's another no, isn't it? It's a little bit of a problem because what happens is it's like when you're learning how to drive a car, but you haven't yet learned how to steer. And so you're going to start hitting every ditch 
on the side of the road. I would offer a third option. There's a better way. What if you have somebody who's going to help you avoid as many of those ditches as possible while helping you go farther so much faster than you could on your own? And that's Why would you not take that option? Yeah, sure. And that's the person who comes from the outside, looks at the whole thing and says, this is the focus for the company. This is the focus for you because exactly. I can actually see what's going on and where the, the, the pain points are and where the sweet spots are. Exactly. Somebody who is for you, somebody who is going to see and say, I want you and your company to be as successful as possible. And the mm -hmm. best way I know to do that is to get an outside unbiased perspective who begins from a place of saying, I'm for you. I want you to succeed. Let's move you from where you are, which is not working to where you want to be. Okay. Now, a lot of business leaders would imagine that it is working. Mm -hmm. I'm making a profit my business hasn't collapsed, you think they're running into the wall and that there's going to be a disaster waiting for them down the road? The question I would ask if somebody says, hey, I'm doing great, I'm doing fine. My question is, are there days when you feel completely out of control? Mm -hmm. Are there days when you feel like the water line is not just up to your neck, but it's actually over your nose and over your eyes? Do you have days like that? Are those days becoming more frequent over time? Mm -hmm. Do you have moments where you feel completely overwhelmed by everything that needs to be done and you feel like you have to do it? Do you have absolute clarity on what you want the business to do and what your best contribution is to see that happen and what your contribution should not be? Sometimes the greatest thing we can learn as a leader is what not to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, from that perspective, let's say I've got three or four balls that I'm currently juggling. Mm -hmm. I need to get rid of them one by one, and I need to fit, find people to replace me for that particular yes. juggling ball, as it were. Yes. Um, is there a way to prioritize what I get rid of first? That's why you start with clear-minded focus, because that's mm -hmm. determining where you want to go organizationally and what your best contribution to that is. Then we're going to take a look at the lay of the land and say, now, what on your plate currently is not that? Now we develop a plan for each one of those things so that they're not, you don't drop the balls. You're going to make sure they're handed off. But whatever it is that you struggle with, whatever it is that makes you feel overwhelmed and just gets you your shoulders bunched up and gets you feeling massively stressed, whatever that is for you, for somebody else, that is their sweet spot. That's mm -hmm. what they love. The key is understanding how you're wired and operating as much as possible in your zone of genius instead of trying to operate in what Patrick Longoni calls your zone of frustration. Right. Okay. Now, which is a great point. And one of the problems that we have is a lot of, a lot of the stuff in CaliCube is new mm -hmm. and I've invented it. So it's all in my brain. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to get from my brain into other people's brains, onto the paper, uh, onto the website and into Google's brain ultimately. Yeah. yeah. I struggle with writing, mm -hmm. but I find speaking very easy. Mm-hmm. So the solution there would be that I narrate and somebody yes. else takes it and rewrites it. Yes. But at some point, the person often misunderstands, so I then have to go through and correct. Mm -hmm. So that's a ball I can't ever fully drop, or am I wrong? Over time, I believe you can let go of it more yeah. and more because the person that you're handing this off to will begin to get a greater and greater idea of how you're thinking, of what you're thinking. But it's a teaching process. It's just like when you're teaching Google, yep. right? Google gets smarter the more you teach it. 
so will the person you're delegating this particular task to. You know how to talk to me, don't you? It's <laughs> like teaching Google. Genius. But, but that is actually true, is that today the writing experience is getting easier and easier. It's still not quite there, but there's very little now for me to correct. So, yes, you're right, 100%. So I've started to drop that one, which is great. Um, the sales process is something I'm, I'm going to have to drop, but I'm struggling with. And a friend of mine told me the one thing you have to do as the company boss is sit down for two years and just sell so that you've got a stable company. And after that, you can drop it hmm. because you need to figure out how to sell for your particular company in your particular way to your particular market. Then you can hand it off to somebody. Would you agree with that? It's difficult to teach somebody how to do something you don't know how to do. And so what you're doing right now is you are establishing the baseline for what you are going to ultimately hand off. That's great. That's fantastic. As long as there is a clear timeline at this point, we're going to hand this off. And here are the steps that it's going to take before we can hand it off. What are those steps? And what no, are the that, dates that's the point. on each one of those? Yeah. And that's what we haven't done. And it's sit down and say, right, okay, this is something I need to do for whatever it is. I've been doing it for eight months now, and I'm already phenomenally bored of it. Um, if I say to myself, I want to pass it over to somebody else in January, then I set the timeline and I figure out exactly what I need to do, who I need to get on board in order yeah. to do that. So that's one of the balls that I'm juggling that I want to give to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Each piece, as overwhelming as it feels to say, hey, I'm going to hand off this sales piece to somebody else. That can feel overwhelming. But if you find somebody who this is their passion, they love to sell, like that's their thing. They're good at it. They have the ability to do it. That's key. (laughs) You you don't want somebody who, I love to do it. I'm terrible at it. I never close a sale, but I love to do it. That's not going to be helpful. It's finding the right person and making sure they're in the right seat on the bus to use Jim Collins analogy. Oh, yeah. Sorry, finish what you're saying. We'll come back to the bus because I like that analogy. Yeah. So so when when you've done that, then it's simply a matter of saying, now, what do I need to communicate to them so that I'm setting them up for success in the best way possible? That's when you're establishing your SOPs. That's when you're doing the brain dump and making sure they have everything they need to do what it is you need them to do. Brilliant. Okay. Now, you mentioned your seat on the bus. Can you explain the bus analogy? Because I love that. Oh, absolutely. This is Jim Collins and uh, from Good to Great and his books Built to Last. Those two fantastic books I highly recommend for any leader in no matter your field. The idea is that when you're thinking about the people on your team, you want to make sure you have the right people on the bus. Your bus is your organization, your company. You want to make sure you have the right people on the bus, right? You want to make sure that they are gifted, that they are skilled, that they have the right attitudes, <laughs> that all these things are important. There, there are five C's that I look at when I'm looking for team members and if any of those C's is not active, if they don't hit it, they don't get on the bus, right? Oh. But once they're on the bus, you got to make sure the, they're in the right seat. What are the five C's? Oh, we can go down that rabbit hole if you want. <laughs> can you just say the five words? Absolutely. So the first one is commitment. I need to know they're not going to run down the street in 10 minutes because somebody offers them a little bit more money. That They're committed to what we're doing. The second thing is that there's chemistry with the rest of the team. This is why my team is part of every hire because I want to make sure we're going to spend some time together. I want to make sure that, that, you know, there's not just a massive chemistry disconnect. That's important. Uh, the, th- the third C, the third C is culture. Every team, every business has a culture. And if you get a culture mismatch, you're going to know it really fast because they're going to try to go in a different direction 
than what you intended for them to go. Right. Uh, the fourth one is character. This is a non-negotiable. This is this is a cookies on the bottom shelf. Everybody has to have this. If you don't have character, that is going to show up in places as you're doing your job with the team. A lack of integrity is going to show up because you start roadblocking other people and then you don't own it. So many different places this goes. So what have we covered? We've covered uh, character. We've covered chemistry. We've covered culture, right? We've covered commitment. And the last one is competency. I don't expect them to be absolute masters and experts of their craft, but I expect them to have a teachable spirit where they are constantly growing and learning. That is a non-negotiable to be on my team. If you have that and you have the ability to do what it is we're asking you to do at greater and greater levels, you are on the right bus. Right. Okay. Brilliant. I love that. And this is going to be super useful for the team. Now, you've got them on the bus. When you say they've got to be sitting in the right seats, you mean you Mm -hmm. have to have the right roles and responsibilities for each person? based on how they are wired. Mm -hmm. Every person is wired differently. And when you understand how people are wired, then you can make sure they're in the right seat. For instance, you don't like sales. This is not your favorite thing to do. You would consider this to be a draining activity. Mm -hmm. This is a good indicator that that's not your zone of genius. This is not a role we should put you in and leave you in for the next 10 years, because what that will ultimately do is cause you to leave. (laughs) You will not thrive there. Somebody else, this is their zone. They love this. They thrive on it. That's the seat they need to be in. But you have to understand that. So I I do wiring diagrams, so to speak, for each person on my team. And for my clients, I teach them how to do this so that they can do this with their teams. When you understand how people are wired on your team, then you make sure they're in the right seat on the bus and you're not causing them to operate in a zone of frustration. Now, what I've done in the past is just say to somebody, what's your dream job? Sure. That's, that's a very bad question. idea. That's oh, a, it's, a, it? it's a great question. Oh, right. Oh, I'm very surprised a, about that. It's a good start. <laughs> no, it's a good start because you, you're asking them about who they are. Nobody wants to feel like a cog in a machine, Jason. Nobody wants to feel like they're part of building your dream. Mm. They want to feel like you care about them. And the way you illustrate that you care about somebody is you ask more questions than you make statements. Hey, what's uh, your dream job? What, what do you love to do? Where do you want to be in five years? What would you love to be doing? What fires you up? What fills your tank? Man, you start getting answers to those questions. You're going to get a very real sense of that. And step two, oh, so you want to be doing this. Hey, you know what? I want to talk about some ways I can help you move toward that goal. Let's put that on the calendar so we can build that into your performance and part of your position. And also say, well, this is the timeline to get there. And these are the things we need to do. And it's the same for me as for everybody else. And every time I talk to somebody, I was going to say like you, but uh, somebody who's a coach in business leading or company or team leading is that what applies to me as a boss also applies in a very similar manner, almost always to the people working for me. Yes, 100%. 100%. Okay. And so I actually find I make more statements than I ask questions. So I need to change that. Most leaders um, do. <laughs> uh, the, the other question is, I seem to remember in the bus analogy, we've got everyone on the bus and we've got them in the right seats, but some people who are on the bus who shouldn't be on the bus. Mm. Well, how, do you, how do you figure that out and how do you then ask them kindly to leave the bus? You know, with my direct report, I have, I have meetings with my direct reports every week, and that seems incredibly burdensome when you first hear yeah. that. But the reason that I do that is, one, I want to get to know who they are where they want to go, what their best contributions are. And the only way to do that is with time. 
There is no greater thing you can give to the people that you lead than your time first. But second, that's when I do evaluations. I don't do evaluations once a year. I do evaluations every week. Do you speak one-on-one or as a team? Both. Okay. But so you have want- weekly meetings with each person individually and a full team meeting. Yes. Now, these are hours on end. Don't get me wrong. But I want to know, hey, what's going right right now? What's going right with your with your job? What, what are the wins I can celebrate with you? Hmm. What's going wrong? What are your biggest challenges right now? Where can I help you? How can we make what you're doing better? If I'm asking those three questions again and again and again, I'm going to learn so much about how to lead them better and to get better results for the organization. Because when somebody feels valued and not like just a cog in a machine, guess what? They lean in and you see greater productivity, greater performance, greater effectiveness. Right. Well, there's a couple of things that strike me there. Number one, and I'll come to number two in a minute, um, is that people don't always want to meet with their boss once a week because they feel pressure. Sure. What's the solution to that? Do you say you have to, or do you say you don't have to, or do you encourage them, or do you wait? Well, they set the agenda. And so if we sit down and I say, hey, so so what do we have? What do you have for me today? And they're like, I really don't have anything. Then I'm going to ask those three questions that I always ask, just so I can get a little bit more information. And I might ask something about where they want to go or something that they're struggling with. Can you but remind me of the three time. questions? One was... Give sure. me a win that you can that right. I can share with you. What can I celebrate with you? What's going right? What's going wrong? What is something you're struggling with? A challenge that I can help you with? And what can we do to make this better? What do you see that I don't see? Okay, right, brilliant. Okay, thank you. That that's absolutely perfect. And and the other point I was thinking about is thinking. Okay, I'll spend fifteen minutes with everybody every week. Mm-hmm. Assuming I'm actually good at this and I can mm-hmm. take all this in, understand the person better, understand better how I can help them do their job better and be happier and more at ease, mm-hmm. that's actually, as you said, well-invested time yes. on my part because my job as a boss or a leader is to bring the entire organization into focus, which is the word you used earlier on, Yes, um, which makes total sense. But I find myself overwhelmed with the other things I have to do. Mm-hmm. So fitting in those meetings seems like a struggle. And that means I need to drop some, not, I need to hand over some of the juggling balls. Exactly. And when you do that, when you have that clear minded focus, right? When you have that sense of calm control where you don't feel overwhelmed and overburdened because you're operating in your right spot, what's this going to give you? This is going to give you the confidence that you need to make the decisions that only you can make. I think that's a brilliant ending to a wonderful episode. And I've just realized it's been 30 minutes and I hadn't noticed the time fly by. You've been brilliant. That was absolutely delightful. You've given me a lot of help. And I'm sure anybody who's leading a business or even leading a team, even a small team, can take a lot away from this in terms of how they can do it better. And a lot, what I got a feeling of there is a lot of empathy coming from you for the people mm. you work with. And that empathy is a hugely important part of being a business leader in a company that's actually going to thrive and isn't going to become shakeable and breakable, as it were. So yeah. thank you so much. You've got one last question to answer before we leave. How does branded search help build an unbreakable, unshakable business? I believe it goes back to the idea of focus. I believe when you get the clarity of your message, And this is what branded search is all about, right? Making sure that your message is clear. I believe when you get that clarity, the only way it can broadcast to the world through a search is when it begins in the leader. 
when you have that clear-minded focus, that's going to help you to become more and more unbreakable and unshakable as you lead your team. Brilliant. So when we're talking to our clients about their brand message on Google and indeed across their entire digital ecosystem, the first thing we need to do is identify what is that message and is it coming from the leader? And indeed, and do the team agree? And are the team all on the right bus or something yes. along those lines? I'm getting a bit confused. Thank you so much, William. That was absolutely brilliant. Thank you everyone for watching. But before leaving, I'd like to introduce Teresa Rose, who's going to be coming along next week to talk about the energy of persuasion using show and tell. It's going to be absolutely delightful. And could you possibly pass the baton, William, to Teresa? I'm looking forward to hearing this episode because I think Teresa is really going to bring a lot of value as she talks about persuasion. And this is something that every leader, every business owner can benefit from. How do you use show and tell to lead better? I can't wait to hear it. That's absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, William. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Sorry about the cat. She's absolutely delightful. And for anybody who's listening on audio, you kept seeing the cat's tail walk behind me uh, as she walked up and down. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, William. Thank you very much. Cali Cube. It's all about your brand, SERP.